This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast is our food being downsized, shrunk. The food professor, Sylvain Charlebois, joins The Shift to chat about shrinkflation and what the future of food looks like for us in Canada and around the world. We talk about ketchup chips, cheesies, and all things cool snacks in game showy as Kelsey Campbell and Demi Knight face off for a second time in a rematch. And are you okay with asking for help? That's a big question. What about Free Willy? Not a big question. But both of those are included on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. It's about to become Groundhog Day for you here on The Shift. Um, we had Patrick Charlebois, brother of Sylvain Charlebois, here on The Shift talking about how he won the North Pole Marathon, which is strange. And um, he's not strange. The North Pole Marathon is strange. And it was a great conversation. And then there was some food stuff that came up. And total coincidence, uh, I called Sylvain and said, hey, do you want to come on? So you're getting a double dose of the uh, Charlebois brothers, twins. <laughs> He was very clear after we finished recording that, Sylvain, that he uh, he was very clear that he's the older brother and you must pay him respect always. Um, he did not say that on the air, but I just in the spirit of this yeah, very three minutes. obvious three yeah, minutes. This obvious competition thing you guys have going on between you, um, I thought I would just toss that your way oh, and, yeah. and just remind you, respect your brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's uh, he brags. He's got bragging rights for the rest of our lives. And so it's so unfair, yeah. so unfair, but I love him. He loves me. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. It's here. It was cool to hear him and, and the mannerisms. And we had lots of shift heads that commented about you. Cause laugh you were the actually same. seeing him the way we see each other now, I suspect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the same as that you and I see. And so for me, it was very similar. Um, great, uh, to, to see the mannerisms be the same and it was really cool. You must be proud of them though. Uh, that, that North pole marathon, I mean, that's next level stuff. Oh, absolutely. But I've been following his career for, uh, for more than 20 years now. He's, uh, so it was funny about both him and I is that I actually, uh, ran on the chant, the national champion team, uh, championship team of cross country for Royal Military College back in 1987 if you can wow. believe it so i was i was a big runner younger but by the time i got to 25 i, I just got sick of competition and then he picked it up uh, probably early 30s and he's been running all over the world uh, ever since he's done all of the great marathons of the world he did the uh, World uh, Marathon Challenge. I don't think you spoke about that yesterday. The, the seven. Is that the ten? That so he did the ten the year after ten marathons uh. in ten provinces uh, in ten consecutive days. He did the World Marathon Challenge, which I think was his biggest feat. Seven marathons uh, on seven different continents in seven consecutive days, and he came he came third in the world. Uh, that year hmm. in 2017, I believe, and uh, and and his average time was 3:05. That's crazy! Again and again and again and again, oh, yeah. average, right? Every day. That is like wild. He woke up in yeah. Antarctica, in Chile, Florida, uh, Madrid, uh, uh, and then Dubai, uh, and then uh, I believe it was in Shanghai, and then finally in uh, in Australia. So that that was a big, <laughs> and we were following him. Uh, that week every single day and we were getting results every single day 
That's so good. Well, you're proud of your brother. That's awesome. It was a real pleasure to have him on. Uh, Sylvain Charlebois is with Dalhousie. He's with the, I don't even know what to call it. It's the Agri-Foods Lab, the Food Agri-Lab, the research. I get it all wrong all the time. <laughs> the Agri-Food um, Analytics Lab? Thank you. Too many words. No problem. Yeah. Thank you. Um, now, the food professor is a lot easier and much more my my vocabulary. <laughs> uh, his podcast is available online. I do recommend you listen to the food professor podcast because it is always number one in food. And it's um, you guys do research on food, what's going on in and around food in Canada, around the world, yep. and all of those things. And uh, a recent uh, uh, webinar that you guys had, you've released some of that information about shrinkflation. That's what got my attention again. And where are we at now? We haven't talked about shrinkflation in a bunch of months yep. and I thought it was a great opportunity to bring it up again. So what do you got? Yeah. So basically, uh, last week I was asked to uh, do a webinar on, on food inflation. Where, where are we at uh, essentially? And, uh, and that was in partnership with Cattle. Uh, that's the company collecting the data for us. They're just they're, they're just been great. And and when we did ask questions about about shrinkflation, of course, and and let's be honest, Shane. I mean, everyone knows about it. It's like the big elephant in the room uh, for the longest time. Uh, we've actually contacted over 50 food manufacturers in this country. Uh, only 10 replied, acknowledging wow. our note. And most of them were quite ambiguous in terms of admitting that they were shrinkflating some, some products. So there's, we have a long way to go when it comes to transparency. I'm not because some some people I think believe we should legislate. We should actually um, uh, set up regulations uh, against shrinkflation. I don't agree with that. I think I mean shrinkflation is a strategy basically. If it costs too much. For you to produce food and you want to keep your market share, well, you got to reduce quantities. It's been going on for many, many years. Uh, but but companies, I think, instead of just treating consumers like, uh, you know, suitcases, essentially, uh, it'd be great right. if they could, it would be more transparent about it. And that's, I've been a little bit vocal about it. The other, the other phenomena happening is skimflation. Have you ever heard of that? Nope, that's new yeah, to me. Skimflation is, again, something that has been going on for a very long time. But skimflation is when a company reformulates a product uh, to either reduce costs or to comply to new regulations, like, for example, reducing sodium or reduce, uh, or if uh, if uh, if uh, a company wants to reduce sugar or fats. For example, and that's going to happen a lot more over the next several years because of of new regulations related to packaging. By 2026, if you walk into a grocery store, if a product has too much sodium, fat, or sugar, you'll see a big, big, big sign on the package by law. Mm -hmm. So obviously, companies don't want that label on their package, so they'll reformulate. So which is called skimflation. So you and I, as consumers. Uh, we're likely going to notice a change in texture and flavor over the next three years. At least that one has a bit of a in positive intended benefit for us knowing what we're getting in our foods, right? That one, that one kind of works that way. I think about um, a lot of different products when you say that, though. Um, one of the biggest ones for me has been ground beef. Now, uh, you hear this about like frozen chicken. You know, they add water to the chicken to freeze the chicken. Yep. Um, I, I bought lean ground beef, and when I cooked it, the whole frying pan was filled. 
And I had contacted the grocery store and sent them a photo and said, like, is this lean ground beef? And they, they sort of played it off and they gave me more beef and, and, and everything else. And what I learned was, is I just let it cook, is it was all water. It wasn't fat. The fat in it was minimal. Yeah. And there was so much water in the ground beef. That sort of dilution notion, is that really what you're talking Pretty about? Much. Is yep. In some cases, they're selling us water. They're not really selling us the same product anymore. Water is the cheapest ingredient. Uh, it's it's heavy, uh, and it. I mean, the winning combination with water is is weight and calories. There's zero calories in water. You're not adding calories to whatever you're you're uh, you're playing with, and so that's why more and more products you're seeing water because it it doesn't compromise you on weight. And it reduces the amount of calories, which is something that a lot of people look for. Well, and let's just call it out right now for the sake of doing it. Well, I will call it out right now. You don't have to. <laughs> um, in this in this world where we're being told to be more responsible and save all the turtles from getting straws in their noses, you have to understand when you add water to products, it's heavier. And this whole world is different. If uh, companies did not have pretty packaging and sold things in concentrated form. The amount that we would save in fuel, transportation costs, packaging costs, plastics is off the charts if something like water was added at home, not perfect in the bottle that, I mean, it, it appeals to our vanity, all the things. So if you want to change the world today, take water out of products because that's where we start to, to change the Enviro impact on it. I'll call it out because that's what it is. It's just that simple. Laundry detergent You're starting alone. to sound you like took... a food scientist, Shane. I know. Maybe I need to just come to Dalhousie and, and start studying. I'll get mad. I can get angry. And they, rah, politics. What's in and, our food? Yeah, all that stuff. Um, Sylvain Charlebois is the guest right here, the food professor, um, talking about shrinkflation. One of the things that we had noticed when Carter and I drove back from Toronto is we cut through the States, the burgers were they just looked smaller uh mcdonald's is a quarter pounder i'm assuming it's still a quarter pounder when they start when they boil out all the water <laughs> yeah. um but when they um but the burger's smaller the bun is smaller even the very uh precious to my heart sausage and egg mcmuffin <laughs> The bun is smaller. Every the the sausage patty smaller. <laughs> well, I might have stopped more than I once. Mean, <laughs> McMuffin and quarter pounder during the same meal. That's no. Uh, how long, long did you stay in the McDonald's? Like eight hours? <laughs> uh, no, we might have stopped more than once. But that being said, the food is smaller. No, it is. Uh, it really is. What did you? I mean, so now we just learned this week that Burger King was getting sued for smaller whoppers and so mcdonald's have been sued because of smaller big macs wendy's have been has been sued because of smaller hamburgers subway the infamous 11 inch slash 12 inch uh sub right yeah i mean if it's well not, that's why they call it a foot long yeah, right that, just so for everyone understands exactly so this is this is uh this is uh, what i call a uh, size base false advertising essentially uh, but it is for inflation to a certain extent. I mean, you're getting less, and uh, but more and more consumers, because of food prices, they're they're paying attention to the size of these things. And if it's not as advertised, they think they actually have a case to uh, to sue. 
And so it's it's going to be interesting. Now, so far, nobody, no one has been successful, but I don't know. Like, uh, it's been happening a lot more these days. So, so the, the the Burger King lawsuit, and Burger King is a Canadian company. Uh, just in case you forgot, uh, it's a Canadian company, and so we'll see exactly how things go with uh, mm-hmm. with Burger King's case. So, in that. Um, you know, Subway, because you brought it up, I mean, the 12-inch sub is not a 12-inch, it's a footlong, and then they can trademark footlong as being, uh, in regards to sandwiches, to being a Subway-branded sub name, yeah. not necessarily a distance in length. So that's how they skirt that rule. But they even, they reinvented their menu this year. Um, they did. The, earlier on in the springtime, and they changed a bunch of menu items, so they changed the names. So you can't, you can't go order, you know, I don't even know what they have anymore, but you can't go order your chicken bacon ranch sub anymore because it's not called that and so they rename yep. it and and they can change the ingredients like you're talking about that are involved in it or the measurement of the meat they put in their scoop size whatever and they can't you can't sue them now and saying well it's not what it was before and they could say of course not we've changed the name so is is it dis, um you know deception inside marketing well, I guess, subway really i mean when it, when it comes to pr blunders subway really um you know wins the prize for several oh, years God, do they ever they they've been targeted for uh for food fraud uh, with uh, chicken with tuna uh most cases are are drop uh which is why i was a bit surprised last week to learn that rourke capital paid 9.6 billion dollars to buy a subway uh they did it was, it was a big sale yep Thirty-six thousand stores. So I, my latest op-ed was was on the sale, and and to be honest, given all of the blunders, and since last year, as you pointed out, they've been doing their refresh, the subway refresh, refreshing the menu, refreshing the image. They've actually hired athletes. Uh, they've hired spokespeople to uh, to uh, to support their branding strategy. I think it's been working to a certain extent, but they have a long way to go. This the purchase, the acquisition uh, of, of Rourke Capital is going to be interesting because, well, first of all, Rourke owns like Arby's, uh, Buffalo Wings, uh, Dunkin' yeah, Donuts. Yeah. I mean, all of these chains have actually gone through hell. Really, and mm-hmm. and the common denominator was to reduce the number of restaurants. So, I actually, if I were, and most subway stores are owned by a franchisee, they're not corporate. So my guess is that yep. they're going to reduce the number of franchisees and going to increase the number of corporates. That that would be my guess, and they're going to go through from thirty-six thousand outlets around the world, so twenty-four hundred in Canada. Uh, down to probably thirty thousand or something. And by the way, just trivia for you, Shane, where do you find uh, the most subway restaurants in Canada per capita? Which province of Canada? Per capita. Oh, that's the catch there, isn't it? Yep. Um, per capita, uh, which leads me to believe it's one of the smaller ones. Like, uh, oh, you're in Nova Scotia. It but is per not capita, Nova Scotia. It might be Alberta, actually. I would say maybe Alberta. Alberta is second. Very good. Oh. First is Saskatchewan. Okay. So there's really? there's one Subway restaurant for every 9,400 people in Saskatchewan. Really? Yeah. And then in Alberta, <laughs> there's one Subway restaurant for every 10,500 Albertans. So there you go. That's 
That's wild. Um, for the sake of uh, PR blunders, I'll acknowledge the fact that there is a docu-series coming out that involves Subway, which could be why they hurried to sell it. It looks like it's going to be... It's, uh, it's about it might Jared even be, it's Vogel, out now. isn't it? Yeah. Jared from Subway catching a monster. Oh, it looks like it March Catching a 6th. monster. I thought it was already out. It might be out. Yeah, yeah. it looks like it is out. Uh, Jared from Subway catching That's a another, monster March 6th. That was 6th, another terrible story for them. Oh, my goodness. That's... Well, Still he seems in prison. Like a terrible human. He's going to be in prison for yeah, fourteen and, but, years, I think. But he's almost—he's—he's uh, he's getting close. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So there you go. There's a PR blunder. Let me ask you about a good story. Then we were talking about Canadian snacks here this week on the shift, and um, in fact, a game showy uh, tonight on the shift is about Canadian snacks. So we talked about the W. T. Hawkins Limited Company. I thought we were going to talk and about the ketchup chips. We did. We are actually. We're, that's part of the. I know. That's going to be part of the. You. You got to stick around and listen to game show. You're going to love it. <laughs> um, the ketchup chips thing. It was the. It all was inspired by that story about that kid from Virginia that's that came right. to No Frills and bought a bunch, and then every ketchup company or chip company in Canada sent them way too much food back. Um, <laughs> but we were talking um, with uh, with our guest Janice uh, Thiessen. She's written a book about Canadian snacks, and she's. Um, we talked about Hawkins. And how that family, like if the Hawkins website is dreadful, they do not market. They do not want to be working on weekends. They've been very clear about that. <laughs> and so they've kind of stuck to the integrity of of that. She shared with us a story of how she tried to phone them at like 3.30 on a Friday. And the PR people or the managers had said, Janice, you know better. It's time for us to go to the lake now. We can talk on Monday. <laughs> like there's, there's some merit to, to a family business like, like that that seems to be sticking to sticking to the, the integrity of the product and, and doing what they're best at and not getting sucked into this notion that you and I are talking about, shrinkflation, all the bits and pieces. Yeah, no, there's still, uh, absolutely, of course. And uh, so one social slash economic phenomena can actually lead to uh, to business opportunities from a branding perspective, absolutely. If, if people get informed about something that bothers them, you could become... You can position your product and become the solution uh, and provide people with some sort of immunity against shrinkflation. I mean, we're going through a period right now. Uh, it's and it's I think it's going to last like three, four years. People are hardwired to look for bargains. Companies will be more careful uh, with costs uh, because of what's going on with markets. Companies are very nervous when they buy ingredients. They don't know how much they're going to have to pay, to pay for ingredients. And then they don't know how much they can sell. Uh, products for to their customers like Loblaw and Costco. So a, a lot of people are uh, are on on uneasy about what's going on right now. But it, it was much worse a year ago. Now it's not as bad as long as we don't get some sort of invasion again. This summer, I have to say, Shane, this summer I was really impressed by how world markets reacted to say the end of the black sea deal yeah. it ended it ended and nobody cared. and then <laughs> and no and then they um and then russia was accused of uh i would say it's only character appropriate uh accused of some of the ukrainian grain they were stealing going and giving it away to look like they were taking care of african Africa. countries yep. they were giving away stolen grain to look good or not get caught either way. Um, and, and still no real reaction negatively to that. No, there, there was, I mean, food was weaponized for a while, but when the, when the deal ended, I honestly, I was very nervous. I was looking at uh, corn futures, wheat futures, 
Wheat futures are down to six bucks US a bushel right now. It's the lowest it's been in five years. Okay. Mm. Despite yesterday's report from Sisters Canada showing that cane farmers are going to produce less wheat less. on top of that. And so India halts exports for rice. Again, I thought, oh my goodness. And rice is, by the way, the number one food ingredient used in the world by consumers after water. So it's a big deal. Rice is a big deal. What happened to world mm -hmm. to to global rice prices? Nothing. Stable. Nothing. Well, that that leads you to believe that the the global economy and infrastructure is starting to settle, which is nice. I did have one question for you. I got a bunch of questions. Number which we'll save for this one. I'll save for next time. But I'll plant the seed now for you and for everybody who's with us. Is that um, we had a list listener that accused all of the recent strikes on AI. Now that is very much true in um, the port strike in Vancouver because the future of robotics, uh, it's very true with the, the movie stuff, which is without a doubt, they gotta stand up against that one because that's dreadful. The notion yeah. that once they have a picture of your face, they can basically create characters with your face on it from now to the end of time and you don't get paid. That's dumb. Um, but AI though, and I said AI is But I, I is do believe not... that Dude, Where's My Car was written by some sort of a non-human thing because that That's that movie fair. was dreadful <laughs> that is uh, that is very fair uh the notions about ai and strikes though is interesting because that's that future cost piece right is that it's not really the ai that's the problem or the robotics it's the future cost of labor based on what's going on in the world and it's hard to predict that far down the road we'll pin that and save that for another time because i'm curious to get your thoughts yep. on that inside food when we drove it was probably 10 hours of endless cornfields to this whole wheat conversation. I have never seen so much corn on a highway drive in my life as I saw this summer. Hour after hour after hour, I did see a cranberry bog for the first time in my life. That was cool. <laughs> um, but the the it was 10 hours more and then we got into Canada and then there was more. And I remember my son and I were joking as we'd turn a corner on the highway, we'd be like, oh look, dad, corn. Because it's everywhere. Why is there so much corn being grown? Half of it, it's to feed livestock. Yeah. And okay. about, it depends. Like you were in the U.S. If you were in the U.S., I'd say that probably 15, 20% of what you saw was for uh, ethanol. Uh, the ethanol okay. mandate is pretty strong in, uh, in the U.S., but corn is a big deal in the U.S. for sure. And so you got the Sugar? energy file. You got the yep. sugar and you, you got livestock. Uh, and, and so Americans uh, want to be autonomous, but also what's really tricky for Americans is that a lot of the corn that you saw would typically go to China. But really? China doesn't buy any more from America, at least this year, because they're starting to grow more corn and they buy from Brazil now, which is interesting. And so there's there's a bit of a ag war going on right now uh, around the world. Uh, some of it has to do with protectionists like India and, and rice, but a lot of it has to do with corn, uh, corn and uh, and and wheat as well. So those mm -hmm. are the two big ones. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on right now. But yeah, in America, there's 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 lots of corn. The Corn Belt is a big deal, but this summer they're gonna they're in trouble because they're. Uh, you probably saw that there wasn't a whole lot of water there, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. And yeah. so for the next two weeks, which is critical for their harvest, there, there's not going to be a whole lot of water. So my guess is that American farmers won't, uh, their yields will, will, won't be there uh, as much as last year. Same for cane farmers. So, and, and despite all that chain, prices are still not rising, which is really mm -hmm. fascinating. It's, it means that China, Brazil are saying to Americans, you know what? We can handle it. That's what's mm -hmm. going on right now. So the power to feed the world is shifting away from the Americans. We're even talking about, why do you think we're talking about changing the, the currency of reference from the US dollar to something else? The Americans are becoming less and less influential from an agri-food perspective. Well, maybe good news for us. Um, it's not bad we, news. Uh, and by the way, yeah. my next book is going to be in October coming out. It's on food geopolitics. So oh, good. Look at you. I don't know how you have so much time to do these things. I, I mean, you have like 11 children. <laughs> um, you know, there was another meme too that we should probably pin this for later as well is that there was a fruit cup meme, you know, how they have the printed on the side best before date on a like a little snack cup that you put in the kids lunch. Yes. That kind of thing. Yes. Um, it was one of those, and I don't remember what country it was grown in, but it was like, a. am going to make this part up for as an exam, hypothetical example. It was basically like grown in Brazil, packaged in Shanghai, and then bought in the US. Yeah. And again, the, the eco hypocrisy of the fact that we, we again, we claim and we, um, we claim that it's all, that we're all smart and we care about the world, but we're buying a fruit that was grown in one continent, shipped to another continent and packaged and then sold in North America in a plastic cup. Right. Yep. Like there's at some point here, we've got to get our, we got to get our stuff together. Oh, absolutely. And so you do, I mean, I, I think what the outcome makes sense years ago, uh, it's making less sense. So I'm not condemning past practices because before 10 years ago, it actually made sense to, you know, actually get uh, peaches from one country, package another, and ship to sell in another country. But it's going to make less and less sense because of what we're seeing, because of the cost of fuel, because of, of carbon footprints and things like that. So mm. I actually do think that companies are thinking differently about, you know, how to produce food and how to sell food as well. Well, we have lots to talk about uh, with the new book and, and, and even that store in Ottawa that is a zero waste store. It's like a fancy grocery yes. store, but more like more like bulk barn. So they're doing good things and we're going to celebrate them um, as well here on The Shift coming up um, this week too. So lots of food, lots to talk about, lots of things changing. Uh, Sylvain Charlebois, Dalhousie University, the food professor. Great to see you. Thank you, sir. Now you should go run and get catch up to your brother. I know. I will. Absolutely. This is The Shift Podcast. That's right. It's time for Game Showing, Canada's favorite game show on the radio. Two contestants battle it out for pride and not much more. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this rematch for weeks and weeks. And it is finally happening here on the ship. Here's your host, Not Ryan. Hi, I'm Not Ryan. I'll be your host here on the shift because I'm Shane Hewitt and Ryan's on vacation. But 
as much as that's a lot of me happening right now, the cool yeah. part is that Kelsey <laughs> Campbell, executive producer of The Shift, is here, and Demi Knight, content producer, they're both here, and they're going to battle it out for this game of Game Showy. What we're playing for, ladies, Coca-Cola's. Why? Because Coca-Cola's go perfectly with your favorite snacks. We've been chatting about Canada's snacks. And in fact, if you listened to the shift last night with Janice Deason, our guest, the historian, might give you some tips on some of our questions and answers here on Game Showy. If you don't know how it works, we have three categories for you. And every single question has a number of Coca-Cola's for the prize. For example, an easy question is one Coca-Cola. A difficult question is three Coca-Colas. Holy caffeine. You can swap it out for a Coke Zero if you like. Our categories tonight are ketchup chips, Hawkins cheesies, and other snacks. I hope you're ready to go with all of this. Now, Kelsey and Demi will choose their category. They will choose their question. And if they get the answer right, they're going to hear this sound. If they get the question wrong, they're going to hear this sound. No, no, no. Oh, this is horrible. I can't leave this one in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And there is one question specially reserved for the shift heads listening to the program. This question is called the text line special. And when you hear this sound... That means we will be reading out the text line special. Now, shift Hold on. Heads, I feel like se- I need to hear that one more time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, just, that felt good. That you want to get a groove on? Well, here, let me give the yeah. question and then you can get, we'll do it again. You can have the groove on. <laughs> um, okay. This is the question for the shift heads. Shift heads, you get to help determine the outcome of Game Showy by answering this question. To the best of your knowledge, 877-399-9898. That's our phone number to text in your answer. You ready for this? Okay. The original company that eventually became W.T. Hawkins, Inc. was founded by W.T. Hawkins and Jim Marker. And it was called Confections Limited. Hawkins Cheesies as we know it today. In what city was that company founded? Which city? Okay, shift heads. Here are your options. A. Tweed, Ontario. B. Belleville, Ontario. C. Detroit, Michigan. D. Chicago, Illinois. The company that became Hawkins Cheesies as we know it was founded in what city? Tweed, Belleville, Detroit, Chicago. Text in your answer now, 877-399-9898, and you can help get it right or wrong based on the total of everybody's text messages here on The Shift. For Kelsey's Vibe, here's the text line special sound one more time. Yes. All right, we got the groove on. We're ready to go here on The Shift. Absolutely. Okay, friends, it's the battle of two of Shade's favorite people. Let's be honest, they both scare him just a little bit, which is going to make this interesting. Demi Knight and Kelsey Campbell battling it out for Coca-Cola's. Bob? Well, thanks so much. Uh, Not Ryan. 
Okay. Um, the winner last time, these two this people is hard. played. This is hard to digest <laughs> all of the different Shane Hewitt personalities. We have... Out. There are cutbacks in the world today, and corporations <laughs> all across Canada have less bodies than they used to, and we have one on vacation. So, um, the... Um, the now I'm all distracted. Four minutes of Shane Hewitt's alter I know, egos. it's way too much me. But anyway, this is why we Ryan's the master of this, is he's very good at it. Okay, so last time, Demi won partly because Kelsey quit. That. No, right? I did. Yeah, with um, ease. I won with ease, yeah. See, there we go. This is how it's going to go. It, wasn't it a tie and then literally my internet dropped out? <laughs> no, you couldn't just, discuss you just it? bailed. You bailed because you couldn't handle losing, so Ooh. I won. Can't anyway, Demi, it's so it's so nice to hear your voice. <laughs> it's great, great to talk with you. Well, out of respect, normally the guest gets to go first, but our guest won last time. So that means the loser gets to go first, Kelsey Campbell. You get to pick your categories, ketchup chips, oh. Hawkins cheesies, other snacks. Where would you like to go? Uh, it was weird. You called me loser, and my internet connection started to get a bit shaky. So if I <laughs> if I drop out, it's not me. It's it's you know <laughs> right. mm, mm -hmm. the connection. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a ketchup chip gal. Uh, I'm uh. I eat a lot of cheesies. I actually think it's one of the food groups. So I'm going to go with three Coca Colas, Hawkins cheesies, please. Not Bob. Three Coca Colas for Hawkins cheesies. Here's your question, Kelsey Campbell. Why did Hawkins Cheesies move from Tweed, Ontario to Belleville? A, closer access to Montreal cheese. B, fire burned down the plant. C, closer access to corn for the cheesies. Or D, easier trucking down the 401. I know this. Ooh. I, I know my cheesies. Take them seriously. It was, in fact, a fire. Oh man, I said that with confidence, and now I'm questioning it. That doesn't sound right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a fire. <laughs> uh, that's correct. A fire did burn down the plant. Just eat it. Just eat it. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, a 1956 in Tweed, the fire burned down the plant, and they moved to Belleville, and they've been at the same place ever since. Uh huh. All right. So three Coca Colas. Congratulations to um, Kelsey. We move that over to the three pile. So and uh, early, right? With salty snacks, Coca-Cola, you can't go wrong. Um, Demi, ketchup mm. chips, Hawkins cheesies, other snacks. What's your category? Um, I think I'm going to go ketchup chips, which I don't like. But we had a guest on yesterday that talked about ketchup chips. So let's just hope. I'm going to go three because I got to match Kelsey. All right. Three Coca-Colas. Uh, oh, the judges just said you both are going to lose five points for not liking ketchup chips. All right. Sorry. That one just came in the earphone there from the judges. Here's your question. In the early 1970s, companies started to flavor potato chips differently. Most flavors didn't stick around, but one flavor did. Ketchup. If you listen to the shift on Good News Tuesday, you'll know this answer. Which of these flavors is a legitimate chip flavor from the 70s? A. Snow. B. Grape. C, coffee and cigarettes. D, salt and vinegar. It was the 70s after all. Um, I'm going to go with, because I was here, and it's going to be super awkward if I get it wrong, um, salt and vinegar. D, salt and vinegar. Jono, can you uh, play the answer from last night's show? Uh, Hawkins Cheesies used to have a potato chip line 
And they claim that they were the first to flavor them, but they also experimented with flavors like grape. Ooh, grape was the answer, according to our guest last night. Jono, that's incorrect, salt no, and no, vinegar. No. Oh, that's How do I steal I right now? this one in my mouth. Well, Ryan's on vacation, even... and we didn't think of that earlier, Kelsey, but so... So I'm going to steal and say grape. Great. <laughs> Congratulations. Three points for Kelsey. That is not allowed. Well, if you like uh, ketchup chips, you might get some forgiveness from the judges there, friend. Um, My internet is getting very shaky here. Oh, I might have boy. to Everyone's going to quit oh. here. See what's happening? Quitters, everybody. All I'm right, so Kelsey. Lie. I thought that one was so easy. I was going to quit because I'm like, it's obviously salt and vinegar. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so six Coca-Colas to zero currently for Kelsey over Demi, and um, whoa, okay. th this could okay. get fierce I'll never here. live this down. You cannot give me those points. You cannot yeah, that give me. Is, like, I know. I deserve All a right. steal, but I I need to feel the Why are you so Demi nice again. to Demi? To me, like, no, I would be, you would be mailing me. She can win by default. No, you can't she give the answer and then win. say, okay, you get all the points. I, I, I will right. win this, but I want to win it. Well, I don't know. I need to steal something. I need to, well, I should right. have had a legitimate steal. I don't know what to do with this. I need a Coke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm to get my nerves Well, you have three here. of them. So there you go. Ketchup, chips, Hawkins, cheesies, other snacks. Where do we go? Okay. So what did we decide there? We're, I'm not getting those points, No points. Right? I pulled them away. Okay. Withdrawn. Okay. Three three to zero. Okay, I I'm going to I am going to come after you though. So we're going other snacks. Three Coca Colas, please, not Bob. All right. Uh, potato chip sales continue to grow in Canada. From 2016 to 2021, they grew almost five percent. What is roughly the gross sale value of potato chips in Canada? Is it a twenty one million dollars a year? B $210 million a year, C, $2.1 billion a year of chips, or D, $21 billion a year of chips sold in Canada. Okay. I literally just very quickly Googled the population of Canada to try to do my math, which is probably 40 million. Goodness. 40 yeah, million. about 40 million. And I'm thinking I buy like three bags of chips a month and they're three dollars each mm -hmm. i don't think we're in the well a hundred percent we're not in the billions of dollars of chips in canada 21 million or 210 million i need to go how much do you spend on chips people i'm gonna go 210 million dollars 210 million dollars that is incorrect. No, no, no. Oh, that's horrible. I can't leave this one in my mouth. Uh, Demi, you have five mm -hmm. seconds to steal. Is it 21? Well, you got to wait until I finish the answer. Like, like, you got to give a second. <laughs> Too much for, pressure. Yeah. Like, holy moly. Okay. Uh, oh, $21 million. <laughs> $2.1 billion or $21 billion of chips? C. Uh, $2.1 billion? That's your guess? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's correct. Just no, it's it. not. Just eat it. Yeah, $2.1 no. billion. $2,124 million. I would like to point out that that's how you correctly steal. Well, yeah, very good. Yeah. 
love the competition. You guys are violently fierce. Sale value of chips in Canada, $2.1 billion. That's all chips, though, right? Like, think about it. It's a billion dollar industry. Dang, I've said okay. with absolute confidence you it's did. not in the billions. There's no way it's in the billions. Well, friends, we have reached the halfway point of our show, and it's time for our intermission. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. All right, welcome back to the Shift Game Show. A little trip to the lobby to pick some snacks up. Next up, we had Demi Steel from Kelsey. Demi, you get to pick ketchup chips, Hawkins cheesies, or other snacks. I'm going to do other, other snacks to Coca-Colas, please. About 37% of snack consumers in Canada reported only one snack episode per day. But nearly 10% reported eating how many snacks per day? Higher or lower than five snacks a day? What are they eating? Lower. Incorrect. You can't be snacking. What? No, no, no. Oh, that's You're snacking more than four times a day? Mm-hmm. Five times a day? Yes, that is correct. Just eat it. No, 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 that's correct. It. It was, no, it was wrong. It was, oh, man. Wait, <laughs> was, was I right so or was I wrong? No, I'm confused now. Yeah, well, we're moving on. No, it's a higher or lower question. No points for anybody. Okay, next up. <laughs> Wait, what just happened? What is the answer? What is the question? What is the, it's higher than five? You said lower five? than five, right? I said lower than five. Yeah, that's right. You get the points. Congratulations. The answer was four. Four snacks a day. I got lots going on here. I got two jobs. We got budget cuts here. This is hard. Okay. Uh, Five Coca-Colas to three Coca-Colas. Kelsey Campbell, you're behind. Uh, Not as far as behind as I am, but you are. Where would you like to go? Okay, I was thinking higher than, so people, yeah, having five different types of snacks. Because I can picture people like, you know, you crack open a container of Pringles or something, you crush it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not picturing you doing that five times a day. No. Yeah, four times a day. 10% of people say that they do it four times or more. Yeah. But is that like putting your hand in, like coming back and grazing on a bag? Or that's like four different types of snacks is what it's saying. I didn't get that deep into the research to calculate how many potato an... chips people were eating and whether they're eating real potato chips or mashed potatoes shaped like potato chips in the uh, aforementioned Pringles that you gave. So I don't know. <laughs> Man, I'm getting hungry. Um, and right? I really regret being generous and honest and reasonable mm-hmm. with handing back my points uh, that mm-hmm. I so unfairly had been given. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's keep after it. I'm going back to my comfort zone, cracking open this bag of Hawkins cheesies, and hopefully enjoying two Coca-Colas, not Bob. This is the Text Line Special. Yeah, you got that yummy, All right, so uh, this actually turned out to be quite a tight uh, question here on the shift for the text line special. The question was, where was it originally founded, Hawkins Cheesies, the original company that was called Confections Limited? What city? Tweed, Ontario, Belleville, Ontario, Detroit, Michigan, or Chicago, Illinois? And it turns out that shift heads 
did get it right. Mm. Yes. Play the winner there. Okay, correct. Just hey. Just eat it. Now, the only uh, city that did not get guesses, from what I can see here, was Belleville, which is where they are now. There was a few guesses for Detroit, incorrect. A few guesses for Tweed, no. They moved there after um, they got divorced, actually. Uh, Chicago, Illinois is where it was originally founded, where um, W.T. Hawkins was friends with Herman Lay, who um, created Lay's, in fact, back in the day. So. Whoa, I thought we gave the answer earlier, and it was Tweed. Yeah. No, but that was, wasn't where it was founded, though. That's where they were. They were yeah. actually founded in Chicago. Shift heads are on it tonight. Right? I'm, I'm really glad I'm not answering some of these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually divorce of his breakdown of his marriage that caused him to move um, and, and take the, the cheesiest question. Okay. Um, we are currently at a tie with time for one more question, and it's no. Demi's question. Ooh. It always Last question. Like this. Here on the shift, ketchup chips, Hawkins cheesies, other snacks all have questions left for you, Demi. Okay. <sighs> okay. Since mm-hmm. I only need one, I'm going to go for one because you told okay. me that's the easiest. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do ketchup chips. Ooh, ketchup Ooh. chips for one. Okay. Yeah. Ketchup mm. chips are so dang yummy. I love them. <laughs> there are actually ketchup chip seasoning recipes available online. Which ingredient is not in the recipe? Tomato paste, ketchup, coconut oil, or paprika? I feel like it's got to be ketchup because why would that be the? Are you sure? Why would this it be the? It. Is that a full thought? You explain your your reasoning. They're called ketchup <laughs> well, chips. Well, yeah, but do they put ketchup in ketchup chips? Well, that do they would put make salt sense. in salt and vinegar? I don't know. I don't make oh, chips. Have you put a salt and vinegar chip in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Your tongue can't feel anything for three I know what, I, what else was it? Tom, tomato paste. Tomato well, paste. Probably, oh, sorry. I, I should say this in um, in Demi. Tomato paste, ketchup, coconut oil, or paprika, which well, is they not. Have the, they have the little red on, so it's definitely paprika. Okay. And then I'm. They probably make it with tomato paste. You can't just pour ketchup in a bowl and put it on chips, right? What isn't that what tomato paste is? It's just in a bowl. He's making a great point. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Ketchup is my answer, unless it's wrong, and then I'd like to change it. Okay. So is that ketchup, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. Just eat it. Just eat it. That recipe on how to make ketchup chip seasoning will be posted at uh, shiftheads.ca, by the way, so you too can go make ketchup chip seasoning. Um, I feel like tonight's winner should be Ryan O'Donnell for being on vacation (laughs) and not having to be part of this. Disaster show that I created. (laughs) He is eating. So the winner is um the us. winner is Demi Knight. Congratulations, Demi, for winning again. Yeah. Two for two. Congratulations, Kelsey Campbell, for staying for the whole game this time. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I was just cutting out. I <laughs> who won? <laughs> 
It's an epic battle. Kelsey versus Demi. We're 0 for 2 for Kelsey Campbell, 2 and 0 for Demi Knight, and this has been another edition of Game Showing. Thanks for listening. Don't worry, Ryan will be back next week and it'll be better. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? Share your thoughts on these stories that should make you ponder a little bit. 877-399-9898. If you forget that phone number, shiftheads.ca has it there for you online to, uh, to remember and dial it in. Love your texts. Love your calls. Let us know. Are you okay with? Asking for help. Demi Knight's filling in for Ryan O'Donnell. Are you very good at asking for help, Demi? I think I could be better. Mm-hmm. I think I ask for help when I desperately need it, but I think I could learn to ask for help sooner mm-hmm. than when I do. Our buddy Kelsey, who was just on, she's been very good for me at learning how to ask for help sooner. That's mm-hmm. something I've never been very good at. The, uh, you know, you carry things around and it's like the simplest little things ask for help. It's amazing. Who's going to show up in your life to help you when you just ask for help. I mean, don't be needy, but it's ask for help. I'm not very good at it either. Shift heads. I don't know. Are you good at asking for help or should we be better at it? 877-399-9898. Well, a dog asked for help. We can learn more from a dog. A very determined dog knew how to get help after finding herself alone in a park. is that dog in the window the one with the waggly tail how much is that dog all right so how much is that doggy in the window well it turns out it's free because it needs a new home on friday Platteville police department the ppd in wisconsin responded to a report of a loose dog According to a post on the department's Facebook page, when an officer arrived at Mound View Park, a female pooch ran up and hopped in the cop car. After making the leap in the cop car, dogs uh, officers noticed the dog was wearing a pink collar with a handwritten note attached that read, Please help. Take me to a shelter. My name is Lola. Police realized it was likely poor Lola had gotten lost or abandoned. The PPD then asked for the public's assistance in finding the original owners. Since then, authorities have temporarily taken Lola as the PPD investigates her background. According to municipal ordinance, it's illegal to abandon animals in Platteville. So it's pretty sure it's illegal to abandon them most everywhere. But how do you, what do you do in that scenario? The, the dog's owner had the awareness to say, put a note, here's my name, take care of my dog. But at the same time, you kind of just set it free in a park and like, look, Lola. Yeah, I don't appreciate those owners at all. I would have found that dog, I would have taken that dog home, and Lola would be living with me right now. Mm-hmm. Should the dog owners be charged with abandonment if they, because they clearly, if they were, uh, if they yeah. wrote the note, they clearly knew that they were abandoning the dog. Yeah, I mean, take it to a shelter yourself. Like, go hand it in and explain the reason of why you can't handle the dog. Don't just leave it, like, set free with a note. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I just I could, don't know what to say. I couldn't. Like, fight. Like, no. I don't know. 
somebody will take the dog, even if you walked around your neighborhood and said, mm-hmm. hi, I live down the road. I can't keep this dog anymore. Can you help it find a home? Like someone will take mm-hmm. your dog and say, okay. And then they'll start posting or whatever and, and or get it to the shelter. I get why you wouldn't want yeah. to take it to a kill shelter though. No, I, I get that too. But there's so many ways to get your dog new parents if you can't handle it. Unless the dog was found by a random on the street and they put the note on. Yeah, but yeah, it could be, I suppose. It's possible. We could be assuming too much, but then they knew the name at that point, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. And that's still weird because then you would just take it yourself somewhere. You would think. Yeah. But if your dog, if if you're worried about going to a kill shelter, which some shelters are kill shelters and some are not, Mm -hmm. you know, to euthanize Mm -hmm. dogs that have been there too long or that are too sick or whatever. Um, set, I'm not sure setting it free and having it risk getting hit by a car is, is that much better, is it? No, not at all. You're just kind of sending it to the wild and hoping for the best. Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know if I could do that. That's wild to me. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, Lola knows how to ask for help. We humans can take a lesson from Lola and maybe ask for some help too. Bill uh, sends in this message. He says, before my sobriety, I'd never ask for help. When I got sober 25 plus years ago, I learned to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Amazing how that simple statement changed my life. Yeah, that's uh-huh. beautiful. Thanks, uh, Bill, for sharing that note. Catherine from Surrey sends in a message as well. She says, I'm okay with asking for help. Um, I'm not okay with crickets cricketing. LOL. I'm not sure if you actually mean crickets. Uh, Catherine is very hippy-dippy. That's, that's what I love about her. So I'm not sure if she means crickets cricketing because she would very much be hearing that and listening, paying attention to that. At the same time, like if it's tumbleweeds and nobody responding, which could also be a metaphor because also the hippy dippy could go either way. Catherine, you've got me thinking. Um, Jim says, I've never had a problem asking for help when needed. If you ask for it, ask for it, as I would expect any of my friends to ask if they were in need. Um, Well, this is nice. Now I have to mention this. The female voices on the show over the last couple of weeks or so have been very pleasant to my ear. My God. There you go. Compliment. Well done. Love having Deming here. Um, Ryan O'Donnell's on vacation, of course. If you're wondering where Ryan is, he'll be back next week. All right. Double check. Make sure I got no more text messages about Ask for Help. That's cool. That's insightful. Uh, Thank you very much. Are you okay with Free Willy? I like that movie. Free Willy. Mm. Right? You've seen Free Willy, haven't you? Oh, I don't dude. think I have. I know. You know it's I about a whale. I have. In captivity. I do know it's. I do know it's about a whale. Yeah. Yeah. His name is Willie. Gathered that. Yep. Mm. I, I can't tell you. I've seen it maybe when I was young. I don't know. I've heard of it though. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So it's it's a cute movie. And it's free Willy, and it was way ahead of its time because the CG of Willy jumping over the um, the rock outcropping and over top of the kid was terrible. But that's how it finishes. Spoiler alert. Oh. They free Willy. Okay. In case you're wondering. Some things don't need to be freed, though, so much. At least maybe the right place, right time. That's a good, safe way to do it. Um, there's a bit of a sticky situation. It took place in Burlington Wednesday morning when 5 million bees fell off a truck. 
Kind of an unusual situation. Burlington was abuzz with bees Wednesday morning after around 5 million of the pollinating insects fell off the truck transporting them from Milton. I swerved, um, nearly swerved into the ditch, tried to correct and dumped all the hives. The driver and commercial beekeeper Tristan Jameson had to let nature take course. All these bees are moving. So they're all going to be coming out. They don't know where their home is. They're going to take a little orientation flight, try to figure out where they are. And right now, there's a ton of bees just all over the place. We're waiting for them to calm down, relax, and come back to the hive and hopefully get as many bees out here as safely as possible. Halton police issued a warning to drivers in the Dundas Street and Guelph Line area to keep their car windows shut and for pedestrians to stay out of the vicinity. Fortunately, due to that notice, we had a lot of uh, beekeepers and, and people with uh, that sort of expertise kind of show up and offer their assistance. It's a lot of bees to clean up, so I thought I'd just come out and see if I could lend a hand. Well, they're just a fascinating creature. I've just always had uh, a love about them probably for the last uh, 30 years when I got introduced to it, but uh, I've just been keeping bees for about seven years myself. I'm just a hobbyist and I heard that there was an accident up this way, so I figured I'd come and give a, give a hand if needed. Halton police expressed gratitude to all the beekeepers who assisted in the cleanup, successfully cajoling most of the creatures. We had one request or, you know, for an interview and at the scene, but I, I do have a bee allergy, so I, you know, passed on that one. Some of the hive boxes remain at the scene with the hope the stragglers will all eventually make a beeline to their home hives. Melanie Zettler, Global News. <laughs> you can hear Melody's voice how proud she was of the bee line. That was very good. Well done. It was a good line. Like that. Commercial beekeeper Tristan Jameson was moving a hive from Milton when he swerved and lost control of the vehicle, which in turn dumped the hives off the back of the truck. Jameson said the bees are now taking um, this flight and they've got themselves all sorted. Um, hours later, police said the majority of the bees have been safely collected and all the crates have been hauled away. However, police noted some crates were left behind uh, for a while for the bees naturally to return to, um, just in case they went on a bit of an extended hiatus away from it. Wouldn't that be crazy? You're like, here's me with all my friends upside down. Mm -hmm. Where am I? Go for a cruise. Never find your family again. And that's how we humanize animals. Oh, this is really sad. <laughs> I'm glad they sorted it out. That's a lot of bees, man. That'd be scary if you're just like walking around. Oh, I don't know if you heard that. That's thunder. Sorry about that. It's a little loud here. Um, are you okay with... There's a lot of storms north-south in Alberta right now. They're literally just going straight south. It's storm after storm after storm. It's been storming here for a couple of hours already. Drive carefully if you're cruising around. That's for sure. Are you okay with... Paddle boarding. You do know what a paddleboard is, right? I, do, I know what a paddleboard is. I don't okay. fully live under a rock. I do some stuff. <laughs> Last night, Demi had never heard of what a, a glider was. <laughs> uh, I mean, it also hasn't watched Free Willy. So. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I stand by that a lot of people won't know what a glider is, and Willy, Free Willy is probably overrated. Hurtful for all of the... <laughs> All the willies that have been freed in the land of movies. But I do paddleboard. Okay. Well, I don't do it. I have done it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I like paddleboarding. I sold my paddleboard this summer. It was oh. like 11 foot hard 
paddleboard. Like it wasn't one of the inflatables, and it was just big and in the way mm. I hadn't used it. So mm. it was heartbreaking. I'd like to get into it again one day. A man in BC, where there's a lot of paddleboarding, has set a new record uh, for standing up on a paddleboard. Jerry Zhang knows a thing or two about drafting a plan and seeing it through. I was an architect for pretty much most of my life. Every time I'm in the office, I'm just thinking about wanting to be on the water, to be outside. So he traded in the desk job for a board and paddle and made a new plan. This one for the record books. And we'll be paddling 70 or 80 kilometers depending on wind and wave conditions. Preparations got underway early Wednesday in Victoria, where Zhang was set to launch. His crew of seven ready to document his path by boat. The main concern is the Jerry's safety. And we're going to be the energizer. We're going to cheer for him. We will support him at any time. The route that starts at the Oak Bay Marina and crosses the Georgia Strait before arriving at Tawasin Beach is expected to take roughly 13 hours in total. Guinness has the world record set at 14 hours, so I'm hoping to, to beat it. It will mean everything, uh, especially, you know, that I'm not a professional athlete. So to be able to achieve something like this is, is really something. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Uh, that is really something. Jerry Zhang, um, 13 hours, 45 minutes. That's what he wanted, like standing up on the paddleboard. So, I mean, I guess you can't fall off either. That would be, you know, that probably breaks the thing. But uh, he started the journey at the Oak Bay Marina at 6 o'clock in the morning. And his aim was reaching Tawasin Beach, um, which is 80 kilometers away, by 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Now, he trained all out for six months. Like, Tawasin Beach, help me with my geography, that's right by where the ferries go, and wouldn't that be pretty wavy? Like, that, of all the, like, places to go, wouldn't that be, I don't know, you think you'd want to stay away from the big boats. Anyway, um, he trained all out for six months to try to beat this challenge, and when he arrived at the final destination with less than 15 minutes to spare, many people had gathered to cheer him on and pop the champagne. So he left a 15-year career in architecture to focus on water sports. And I admire that. I admire, mm-hmm. like, architecture, that's an education. That's not just a, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, I went to college for uh, last summer for three months to get a certificate. Like, that's legitimate long-term education and high-paying and probably stressful. Mm-hmm. And he's focusing on water sports and outdoor industry full-time. Isn't that cool? Good for him. It's I very cool. That. Could you do that? And he though? set a record while he was at it. Would I do that? Like, could you do that? I mean, I don't mean stand on a paddleboard for 14 hours. I mean, if you could, <laughs> sure. But, I mean, to be that invested in a career, to just go, it's kind of like Forrest Gump and running. I think I'm done running now. <laughs> like, he, you literally are just like, you know what? I'm done. See ya. Off you go. I mean, if you had the resources to say, okay, I can quit my job to focus on something I love, then yeah, I would a hundred percent do it. Now being an architect, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions. He's probably earned a fair chunk of money and, you know, got himself into a home and, and probably has Mm -hmm. some of that life stuff set up 15 years later, I'm guessing. So, um, probably a little easier than someone who's, who doesn't have that, but I still find, I admire that. And you know, we had the conversation with Patrick Charlebois a couple of days ago and he talked about throwing the excuse book out the window. The biggest book in our house is our excuse book. And I hear that. I, it's like it's like Patrick lives rent free in my head. And 
Um, a couple of the shift heads had commented about throwing excuses out the window. Last night we were talking about flying and, and gliders and all the things that we've teased about here. The, um, and I hear that now when I look at a guy like this, this Jerry Zhang, who's setting world records and walked away from his career because he just wants to be on the water and he's happy there. Yeah. That's the excuse yeah. book. I know. And I think that's great because why would you waste your time just because it makes you good money if you don't love it? Like, you don't know how long your life is. Why would you waste time not doing something you love? Yeah. Deeply insightful. Hmm. Who know? Who knew? Not only good at game showy here on The Shift, deeply philosophical and insightful from Demi Knight. Multi-talented. Right? Very talented. Mm -hmm. It's because you had a nap today. See? That's what happened. Yes. Yeah, I'm on mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I love it. By the way, paddleboarding, recommend it completely. It's a nice, whether you want it for the fitness, because it's it, they really can be quite exerting if you really want to give her. The balance and stuff is really good for the core, and just it's good for you to be on. All the stabilizer muscles is pretty awesome. And not to mention, it's it can be so peaceful. It's great. If you ever get a chance to paddleboard in the ocean, though, that's a little more difficult than it is on a lake. I can imagine. I've never done mm. it on an ocean, but I can imagine it's tougher. I did try in the Columbia River. Did not go well. Broke my paddle. Nope. Nope. A little beyond my skill set. So anyway, give it a go if you love it. Be like Jerry Zhang, man. Live out your, your best life. Throw out the uh, excuse book as per Patrick Charlebois. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.